0: First, I would take you to eat some barbecue, good old southern barbecue. I think
1: I'd take you down to the local bar, probably to the beach, where everybody wants to
0: come when they go to Florida. So, I would show you all the sights in uh, central London. The walking tour is lovely, the bus, and I would, of course, take you to Windsor, very close to where I live, where the Queen used to
2: reside. Welcome to Sitka Tells Tales, airing on KCAW. I'm your host, Ellen Frankenstein, with Becky Myers. In this episode, we're here on Lincoln Street. In the heart of downtown
3: Sitka, Alaska, talking with tourists, witnessing a busy day of over 5,000
2: people off cruise ships in town. And we're here to get to know some of the people visiting us.
4: I'm from
5: Chilliwack, British Columbia, which is an hour away from Vancouver. I am an elementary school teacher. Next year I'm just gonna be a substitute teacher though. And I am uh, one, of the, <laughs> one of the top Overwatch players in North America. The game's kind of declining right now at the fan base. It's just a
6: first person shooter. Adelike, Badejo. And we pronounce it Badejo, not Badejo. I'm a very loyal Newfie. That's what they call us. And uh, after Newfoundland, then I moved on to Nebraska. Kearney is right in the center of the country.
7: I'm that person right now. I, I'm, I'm wearing a sweatshirt that I just bought here. Like, you know, I'm that person, but
3: it was cold. She feels somewhat ashamed that she's wearing the sweater that she bought today. But I said, like, why are you ashamed? You're going to wear it at some point, anyways, and you're cold, and so you're putting it to use.
2: It's a yeah. lovely color. Thank you. And I just mm-hmm. noticed. Yeah. So okay, we're going to start at the beginning. Um, I'm Elizabeth. I'm from
7: Chicago, and I'm a teacher.
3: My name is Joe. Born and raised in Chicago, currently res- reside in Chicago with Elizabeth. We're we're partners, and I was a film major when I first went to college, and now I work in pharmaceuticals.
7: Actual pharmaceuticals. He's not a drug dealer.
3: I work for. Uh, some people refer to it as big pharma. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not proud of it. I'm not. I'm not. by any means. Um, I I do work um, in what's like known as like patient support services.
2: So if I showed up in your community, what would you show me? Where would you take me?
8: Illinois, Riverbend, you know. Our our city was founded by Lewis and Clark in 1803. It's where they camped before they went up the Missouri River. There's another town called Alton nearby. And there's a big story about an abolitionist named Elijah P. Lovejoy who ran the local paper and people got uptight about it. Underground Railroad. That's
0: right. Um, Have you sit on the front porch with me on an old bench and offer you a cup of tea or coffee Um, ask you what you like to do. And if you're interested in history, then you've hit the right place because the guns from up in the Ticonderoga area came down the main road there. But it's a fascinating area to, to live in. Old houses, um, Dutch history, we could visit some cemeteries.
9: Well, the main thing in Scotland, you know, is uh, haggis, which is, uh, it's a mixture of sausage, well, sausage meat, and it's got all different ingredients, but normally you'd have it for breakfast, or you could have it in a, you know, for your dinner, Um, or fish and chips, yes, the same as here. But not as many fish over there now because the fish did out.
2: Let me set this episode up a bit more. In a typical Sitka Tells Tales program, local tellers share six minute true tales to a theme. We want to try an experiment, an experiment in reverse tourism, because we've had a spike a boom in cruise ships coming to town. Along with my friends and neighbors, I've been thinking about how tourism benefits and impacts a community. In fact, we just started setting up screenings of a two-year-in-the-making documentary called Cruise Boom, a film we hope will generate conversations near and far. For now, set up here watching people fill the street, we're taking a moment to humanize normalize and maybe even learn something from strangers on the street.
10: I'm Irma and I'm from Los Angeles, California.
11: Hello, I'm Sam Sam. I'm from Los Angeles, California too.
10: I kind of love that you said that you're storytelling because I'm a librarian actually. Yeah, (laughs) so I love storytelling. Actually when we got off, I saw the Sitka Public Library and I was like, I have to get a picture there. Also, I also work at the library.
2: Can you tell me some crazy risk you took in your life that changed your life, and what was the impact, or a turn in your life where you went, you're doing this and you changed?
10: I don't think I've ever taken like a huge risk. I wanted to be a librarian since I was 16 years old, and that was 13 years ago, and I ended up doing that path. I used to be a young adult librarian, which is what I always imagined myself doing, and then... I kind of felt like it just kept being like the same thing over and over again. So I ended up becoming a bilingual outreach librarian actually, and I enjoy that job. So many of the communities within Los Angeles and I can definitely, it's a lot of work. Um, being there for 30 years, but it's been great. Can you give
2: me an example where you knew you were, you know, making that dent. You're doing this thing you love, but there's this moment that you're like, yeah, that's it.
10: There's been a lot of like events that we do giveaways like at um, like very low income neighborhoods. And there's always like these very like humble people that are coming from like Guatemala and they just look at you and they're just like, thank you so much. Like, you don't know how much you've helped me. And like, that's what what the library is there for, right? We're there to help people. I think um, a lot of the times people that come from like certain like privileged you, you don't see how many like resources people need until you're out there working in the communities, right, like I can take like internet access for granted because i I have it i I can pay for the internet in my household, but there's so many people that can't actually, and there's so many people that are like what do what do people need libraries for you know like but some people don't have access to Kindle Unlimited and can buy like you know a new book every time they want to read something that's what that access is there are free resources for the people that need it the most. And I, I don't take that for granted, even though I do have a lot of those things accessible to me, you know.
12: From Houston, Texas, retired, and uh, enjoy traveling and hanging out with the grandkids.
5: Uh, I'm still working, and um, what we're we're both retired uh, FBI agents that matter who cares (laughs) you're not allowed to say that
13: oh yeah we can
5: i have
2: actually never talked to an fbi agent but we're not supposed to talk about it
5: tries to keep it low profile i don't care everybody knows
2: hey can you tell me something about your work or some element that i that the most of us wouldn't understand or know and that's part of being the fbi experience that's a good
12: one TV, don't, don't watch TV shows about the FBI. It's not real.
5: <laughs> it's more diverse than you think. Uh, I've, I've served overseas uh, in the Middle East, I've worked in the White House.
12: Mostly um, I did, um, maybe I don't think we should do this.
2: And I did international terrorism and international operations. What do you learn from being in the FBI? Like, What is it that you know and understand that I wouldn't?
5: Mm, people I think we understand people pretty well because you're always interviewing people so I think it's good insight
12: well I think and um, being in the organization we were it's extreme discipline and it's it's tough it's um it's like you you know what you're when you're red pegging you know when you peg red all the time that's the way I felt you know and so 20 years retired Hey, hi, this is Margaret Melendez from Chino, California. I'm traveling here to Sitka with my husband, my brother, and my sister-in-law. See your beautiful city. And I'm a retired school teacher, so I love anything that's exciting and new.
5: Randy Melendez, I'm her husband. I'm not retired, but I'm on my third career. I'm an attorney now, so at that. I do family law, criminal defense, and probate, that kind of stuff.
12: We both went back to school and got our education later in life. Uh, So we actually lived more life, had a family. And uh, I started teaching when I was 50, actually.
5: I went to law. I started law school when I was 50. I passed the bar when I was 60. I'm I'm 70 now, so I'm still practicing law. What made you change, and what were you doing before? Well, I was a TV repairman for 35 years. And then, of course, nobody fixes TVs anymore. <laughs> so I figured I needed something else to do. And I always wanted to be a lawyer, so I stuck with it and made it. Teaching in law school, they teach you that. There's three things. There's the law, there's law school, and then there's what really happens. And they're not the same. Yeah. But it's filled with frustrations it's snafus and nothing ever. Oh, yeah. I've got hundreds of clients and... And, uh, the
12: best you can. The <laughs> well, one good thing is if somebody's going to get a divorce, he'll always say, are you sure you can't work this out? Before he goes through it with them. You know, he's he always wants
5: to. They won't pay me. Catholic lives don't pay me.
12: And that happens sometimes too. Oh, yeah. So, but I thought that was kind of cool that he always did that to say, come on, you could, you know, try, are you sure you can't work this out? Before you go through all that. It's, it's going to be a mess, you know. Right? Yeah. It is. Everybody's life's gonna be for turned upside down, and you know, are you sure you can't just get in there and just try to make it work? So uh, I kinda like that about him.
2: In this experiment on Lincoln Street, closed because it's a day with over 5,000 cruise ship passengers in town, we're getting a sense of where the visitors we're talking to might take us if we landed in their communities. We're also gathering responses to our questions about their forks in the road, turning points, and parts of their lives they don't always share. Some responses just about leave us with our mouths open and tears forming, and other answers remind us of lives we don't live on this island, far from cow-filled fields, Windsor Palace, and museums dedicated to basketball.
14: My name is Rachel Henke. I'm Olivia Grimes. Kara Grimes.
9: Sean P. Grimes.
14: It's kind of a tourist east spot of Indiana where we live. It's very, it's Carmel. So it's, um, it's like a small, big town. I don't know. It's, it's a big, small town. Indianapolis, where we live. So you probably would need to take folks downtown Indianapolis. So let's do a walking tour around the the downtown. Of course, you've got, it's it's a big sports town. You've got Indianapolis Colts. You have the Pacers. Um, So, and it is the Hoosier State. So big basketball area. So it's, you know, headquartered in CAA. So there's a museum there of like all things college. Uh, I would definitely say Indiana State Fair, you know, we're a big agricultural area. You've got people that buy horses and yet people that buy pigs uh, or cows and and they showcase it 4-H is a big thing there so kids showcasing their animals and how they've raised them and how they you know what they you know how they feed them and kind of the look of the animal I don't know we've never done 4-H but that is a big thing there. Uh, So every year at the state fair we (laughs) we eat a roasted corn that so they roast it in the in this big oven in the husk and then they peel it out of the husk and dip it in this big thing of butter. In Carmel, I'd say our biggest look-see is the Chris Kendall Market in the wintertime. It's a German market. They have craps, food that's local, like German, Bavarian food. uh, And they do have a giant ice skating rink and it's really cool. So tell me, what makes Indiana feel like home to you? the people. I mean, the people are just super nice, friendly, welcoming. If you need something, people are there for you, which, yeah, I'm a per- people person. I like connection. Yeah, I don't want to live in a bubble. There's a lot of diversity to Indiana. Indiana as a whole, probably not very diverse, but we do have within two miles of us, we have a mosque, we have a couple synagogues, we have a Greek Orthodox, we have a Coptic Orthodox, we have Christian, like a Mormon uh, and then of course Christian churches. So there's a lot of different, you know, the people that she goes to a high school, about six thousand students. Six thousand students in my high school and it's it's such an interesting experience. Like it's uh that feel of having ha- so many people around you, um and getting to meet so many people is just amazing.
15: I'm Yolanda from Mexico. Mexico. What's Mexico. Yolanda. I'm also Yolanda Jr. from Mexico.
10: <laughs> I'm Sylvia from Mexico. Olga from Mexico. So my mom is Yolanda. I'm her daughter Yolanda. And
15: this is my granddaughter Yolanda. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to talk to three
2: Yolandas from Mexico City in Sitka, Alaska. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So if I came to visit you, what would you feed me? Where would you take me? What would you show me?
15: I would feed you for breakfast with chilaquiles. I would take you to Mexico City to Bellas Artes, so you can enjoy all the culture in there. Then I'll take you to eat some tacos, and then I'll take you to party with mariachi. So
2: I want you guys to tell me something you normally don't tell other people. Um, I normally don't tell other
0: people that I love to travel with my family, and I also love to travel alone. ¿Quieres um, decirle que que nunca le has dicho a nadie? Te quiero mucho, 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 mucho. ¿A quién? ¿A Pero algo que no le has dicho a nadie de ti, de mí. She, she just said, "Pamper me a lot." She wants. She never says that
15: to anybody, and right, that's right. She just said it. Pamper me. So we will. We, we are pampering her. That I like being alone. Like I like me time. You know, because everybody's like, "No, she's gonna be alone at home, or she's gonna be traveling alone," but it. Actually, I do enjoy, I, I love being with me, talk to myself, think about things I normally don't because I'm with other people. So like, what should I do like next for me, for my heart, for my soul? What's making me feel uncomfortable? What should I do about it? And mostly, what should I do to be happier in life?
8: daniel and patricia and we're newlyweds yes
14: (laughs) and retired and retired newly retired
8: yeah so we have a lot to celebrate indeed
14: we were in high school together we were in same grade never spoke to each other he claims he had a crush on me back then but i was dating older guys 10 years ago both of us happened to be single we went on a dating site Found each other on a dating site, started talking because we knew each other. It, we were familiar. Fast forward 10 years, we dated. We got married on our 10th anniversary. And now we're here.
8: April 23rd. So it's been roughly three months, but we waited for the Alaska season. So yeah, this is our honeymoon. We first met in high school.
11: Mm-hmm.
8: There's actually, for 10 years. It's actually a picture of us back in high school, standing next to each other. And I showed it to her mother. And she says, uh, Yeah photoshop so but no it was legit
16: in the yearbook it was a yearbook
8: picture i was right in front of him we were in the photography club together
2: do you have any like love advice for people like you know words of wisdom i mean obviously you guys have lived other lives and now you've found love again
8: drink heavily and lay down till the feeling goes away
2: wait till it's right
8: okay that too yeah
17: My name is Emil Ahmed and I live in uh, Elk Grove, California, and I really like to write.
11: Uh, My name is Omar Ahmed, also from Elk Grove, uh, originally from Jersey and grew up in San Diego.
18: And my name is Omnea and also from Sacramento and originally from New Jersey. So um, I used to work for a private, I'm a teacher, and so I used to work in a private school and then I decided to go to the public school. So some of the students I deal with are students from refugee cultures, Afghan refugees, and to see how they're, and these are middle school students, so to see what the, where they're coming from and where they are now and the impact of that change on their lives and the new identities they have to bring on and the new livelihoods and the conversations at the table they have to bring in. Like I said, it was very eye-opening, humbling, appreciating what I have and what these students at a very young age, all the the sacrifices that their families are doing for them so they can be here, it just taught me not to take anything for granted and to appreciate my family.
11: I guess a life-changing moment for me would be when I moved to Sacramento and stayed in Sacramento as opposed to going back to a bigger city, which I'm more used to. I grew up in San Diego, um, and I think uh, we had just gotten married, and I, it turned out to be a, a good decision because I feel like living in a smaller, smaller city turned out to be nicer in terms of raising a family and growing a family.
17: I think something uh, that could be life-changing that I'm still working on is trying to look for the positive things in life. Uh, Trying to look for things, uh, like small things that you might take for granted and try to appreciate that more. Because there's so many negative things around you, but you need to focus on the good things, the glass half full rather than half empty.
11: She is an amazing young lady and a budding writer. Who, and uh, she she's really, she has a really good sense of finding, um, you know, she has a good emotional sense of finding, finding um, emotional aspects of life around her and, and putting it into words and, and her poetry and writing. So, so uh,
2: we're very proud of her. You wouldn't happen to know any of your poems by heart. I would. Wouldn't we love Becky? Wouldn't we love to hear a poem? Yeah, you can. She knows them by heart.
17: I wrote one called uh, "Ocean of Confessions" a while ago. Why? Why do I have to? Why? Why? Why do I have to pretend to be blithe? Why do I have to pretend I am fine? Why do I grin with no laugh and laugh with no smile? Yes, it's possible. I didn't know it was feasible to be happy with no joy, to scream in a whisper. Help! I'm drowning, my body is sinking, this ocean of confessions. Why? Why can't I swim to shore? Why can't I escape the taunting? Your voice, it echoes, sand waves seeping through my body. I can't run away. I can't find the exit. I can't find the place where happiness existed.
6: i um, James Brown and Shannon Brown from uh, Waterloo, Ontario. I'm an architect and my wife is a teacher. So can you describe a
2: turning point in your life or a place where you took a big risk or caused some trouble?
6: I took a big risk by going to architecture school because it was hard to hard to do. And I was from a small town and that was a big turning point in my life. Going to university at the University of Waterloo. My parents, they didn't even know what architecture was. And In high school, I loved math and I loved art. I loved doing art, so that was kind of a marriage of the two. I worked on Canary Wharf in England. I worked, uh, I've done tons of schools. For the last 25 years, I've done credit unions all across Canada. Oh, I love creating things like from, from nothing, an idea, drawing it on paper, and then it gets, actually gets built. It's, cr- it's crazy.
7: Vancouver,
8: Peter. Vancouver,
7: Nancy. Vancouver, Judy. Vancouver. (laughs) We all from Vancouver. Series of Vancouver's. (laughs) Originally from China. Yeah, and then I came to Vancouver 24 years ago as a chemical engineering. So immigrate there, and it's just totally different. It's totally different, um, culture is different, scenery is different, weather is different um, and everything is different, it's a little bit shock, but you just have to go through the changes, slowly get into the society and just to experience and explore. Um, I think one thing I could pick up really think, well, can you do this, can you do that? And people don't say yes or no, they say sure. So that's that's the first word I, I picked up to say, you know, verbally. When people ask me so I'll say yes or no, I would say sure. Or surely not. <laughs>
0: I'm Susan Paget. I'm from Fort Mill, South Carolina. I'm a retired nurse after 42 years. Um, I'm just starting to travel. I love it. I love Alaska, and I do genealogy as a hobby. I'm Beverly Paget. I just turned 70 Friday. I'm a nurse, I continue to work, and um, I love my
2: dogs and out in the country. How many hours are you in Sitka for? Uh, four. Okay, if you had four hours with me, what would you take me to do? What would you feed me? What would I see? First, I would take you to the place to eat some barbecue, good old Southern Barbecue, and then
0: uh, take you to Aiken, South Carolina, and let you see some of the racehorses that are come from all over the world to be trained there. They win the Kentucky Derby and all of that. Well, if you came to see me, I would cook for you because I'm a really great cook and I make cookbooks, so I'd cook you a southern meal. I would do you country fried steak with built gravy, butter built biscuits, fresh green beans cooked with a, a ham hock, rice or mashed potatoes, and fresh corn. No, I would do my granny's skillet corn. Spring, I'd do you strawberry shortcake, Uh I would do a pound cake. I make an awesome pound cake family recipe. And if I was going to take you somewhere, we would just drive around the country, just around where I live and it's a beautiful country as
2: well. That's awesome. Let me ask you this. Can you both of you describe a time in your life when there was a kind of a turning point, a fork in the road, and you went one direction or you just changed the course of your life and what that meant to you? Well, I guess I actually have two. The first
0: one, this Beverly is my sister-in-law, and so we've known each other since we were 14 years old. <laughs> and we raised our children together, and we went to nursing school together and have worked as nurses together. We married brothers, so my first turning point is deciding to become a nurse with Beverly. Second turning point was... My husband passed away, and uh, of course that totally changes your life, Uh, but I have come out on the other side and it's all good. And I have wonderful children and wonderful grandchildren. It was 19 years Monday, so it was all good. Um, He was just sweet and kind and we got married. Oh, it's funny. Uh, very spontaneous. When I uh, we I graduated from high school um, in uh, June 1972, and we got married two weeks later. I was 18 and he was 19. And it lasted until he died. Hmm. Well, we were just always very happy. And I just, you know, of course everybody has disagreements, but we, I just think we were in love from the beginning and it just lasted. Uh, Nursing school was extremely difficult back in 1978, 79, 80. There were no computers, and we both had, she had three little ones. I had three little ones under the age of two. And just managing school, we'd stay up all night and drink coffee and do homework. In addition to take care of our families and our husbands, and it was tough, but loved it. And we did great, and I have loved every second of being a nurse well I also think what's important to realize because we hear so much negativity and bad stuff I think I always try to remember there's good people in this world and they're good things and that's what I live by and I try to look for that and I don't focus on all the bad stuff
3: We're thinking there's a parallel here. We're experiencing change in our community and it is indicative of what kind of agency that our community has in dictating what kind of future or what kind of experience or way of life that we have in our community. Sometimes things are outside of our control, like climate change, but sometimes the community coming together to make decisions around the kind of place we want to live that's a something that is a little bit at change like it's being changed in this situation. As the Greek philosopher Heraclitus is known for saying, you can't step in the same river twice. All things flow and nothing remains the same. So as we experience change in town, it's all the more intriguing to get to know the people passing by and hear their experiences with turning points, the timelines and plans that didn't perhaps go the way that they had expected.
2: You wouldn't have a moment to chat with me, would you? Okay, so my name's Ellen, and I have a little nonprofit, and we do a storytelling series, and usually it's locals talking. And so now we have so many visitors this year, we wanna hear from you. And it's a collaboration with Public Radio. So first thing I'm gonna ask you, can you tell me your names, where you're from, and something about you? Deb Trum. I'm from South Carolina,
19: and I have six children.
9: My name is Marty Trum, from Charleston, South Carolina also, and I'm retired from uh, from nuclear power. And I volunteer at the USS Saratoga Naval Maritime Museum in, in Charleston. I was uh, pretty much forced to retire.
19: We were planners. We had everything laid out, mapped out, the way we thought it would be.
9: So I was, I was a vice president of nuclear operations. At the time, I was there for 32 years, and when when you're at that level, when a new CEO takes over, he brings his own people in. So we had big changes in our lives, and I was not ready to retire yet.
19: We, we still had two young children, so we moved to Virginia. To
9: a new state.
19: And I started over as well. I was a mechanical engineer, that's where I met him. And uh, I retired from engineering, and I started substituting in the school, and I loved it.
9: It was one of the best moves we ever made for both us and our kids.
19: I didn't know what to expect. We had come from New Jersey all our lives, and... The South is very different. But we met amazing people at the new company, and the company he wound up going with hired him as a mentor. So he wound up training the whole next generation of nuclear power plant workers, like operators, engineers. He managed
2: the nuclear response to Fukushima in Japan. Our conversation with Deb and Marty started with six kids and a change of plans. Now, We just learned Marty helped organize their response to the Fukushima nuclear disaster. This conversation is not what we expected. Perhaps this experiment in reverse tourism is a lesson in collecting moments of both what's ordinary and surprising. But listen, there's more.
9: Fukushima is the name of a city in Japan where it was right on the Pacific Ocean. And the earthquake happened out in the Pacific and the tsunami came and flooded the plant and took out all of their electrical power all their sources of everything, killed thousands of people, th- the tsunami did.
19: And it was supposed to never happen. That is a, called a des- beyond-design-basis accident. So we are designed for 100-year accidents, things that you would expect to happen in 100 years' time. That having an earthquake is designed for, having a um, tsunami is designed for having both of them together was not designed for. So the entire United States response to that, my husband was part of that team.
9: So what they entailed for the United States was, the NRC issued an order to all the, all the companies, the nuclear, all 105 reactors in the plant said, you guys need to do something to prevent design basis accidents. So that's when my company assigned me and I partnered up with the Southern Nuclear Company and we got together the entire industry together worked out solutions, and we built two response centers, one in Memphis, Tennessee, one in Phoenix, Arizona, where we house $400 million worth of uh, portable equipment that we can get to any site within 24 hours prevent what happened at Fukushima.
2: That was an interesting insight into sort of behind the scenes what happened around Fukushima. And there's different points of view on the safety and efficiency of nuclear power, and Sitka Tells Tales isn't advocating we're listening.
9: That nuclear power is the safest and greenest energy that we have right now. I would say we need to build more and not stop. This, so the newest one just came online in Georgia and, and that's the, there were only two plants that are being built that are under construction and we're starting to shut them down because of aging and things of that nature. So we're gonna be in trouble when it comes to, in the, the mainland rather, for blackouts, brownouts, which they're suffering right now. I
19: graduated college right when tmi happened three mile island was the first nuclear accident so i was extremely anti-nuke i was very liberal and they offered me a job at a utility now i didn't know it was a nuclear utility i took a job at public service electric and gas i thought it was a normal utility and when i got on board they're like well we have this position open down at this plant in salem we'd like you to consider going there And I said, Salem, that's not one of our fossil generating plants. And they said, no, we have nukes. We have two Salem plants and we're building Hope Creek plant. Long story short, I went down there with the idea that I was anti-nuke. Once I got trained and once I went away to school because they wanted me to be an engineer and so I needed additional training. And uh, when you see how much Safety is designed into it, margins of safety, we call it. It's just so much safer than what we tell people. You know, they don't do a good job at communicating how safe it really is. We have redundant systems for everything.
16: Okay, I'm Carrie Keefe. I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, I work in the nonprofit space and I am a bleeding heart liberal. <laughs>
4: I'm her husband, Chris. I'm originally from Wyoming, but now I live in Kansas City. And, yeah, I'm a bleeding heart liberal, too. First time on a cruise ship. First time in Alaska. So, I'm very happy to be here. Why are you taking a cruise?
16: It was a YOLO family trip with my 80-year-old
2: parents.
4: I'm just on for the ride.
2: What makes Kansas City home to you what describe like what that place is why you know why it feels home well it's a cool city um
16: number one it it's it's got a lot of character but it's where we raised our kids um we, we neither of us are from there so we transplanted there we raised our family there it's where our kids call home it's where our friends are so it just feels like home
4: you can do everything you want to do like a huge city but it still feels like a small town so that's a good place.
16: But it has no mountains, no water. flyover country, as they call it.
4: The Missouri River, so there's some water. If you came to Kansas City, we could spend six days just trying to explore different parts of the town because it's so big. You can fit Paris, Miami, all size-wise into Kansas City. Um, yeah.
16: It's a car town. But it's, it's home of, of jazz and barbecue and we've got great museums and great we have like a super old union station that sort of anchors our city and our downtown community it's got a lot of character midwest nice everybody looks at you and talk and and says hi even in our downtown
4: knowing people on the trip because we're we say hi to them and they look at us wherever they're from they're like why are you talking
2: <laughs> kansas city barbecue we've got some barbecue discussion happening What's Kansas City barbecue like compared to other barbecues? Well, it's sauce-based.
16: So, like, Texas is a rub, right? Kansas City is sauce, and it's a particular kind of sauce. That's as much as I know. Brisket, pulled pork, uh, ribs, soft, heavy on the sauce, and, you know, how they smoke it or whatever, but.
4: And to the burnt end, which is the end of the the, ribs that most people wouldn't eat, the tips, and they chop it up, and they used to give it away early, you know, early Arthur Bryant's when they started, and he started cutting them up and like feeding people free sandwiches to get them to want to come in and eat the rib. And they're like, this is the best part of the whole meat. So it's now kind of the famous dish. But
16: this is totally a self-appointed label. Like, don't you think cities say, we're this and we're that. And Kansas City has always said, we're a barbecue town. So people just sort of go with it because when people come to Kansas City, they assume, well, I got to try out the barbecue places, which gets kind of nauseating after a while, you know, especially if you don't eat a lot of meat, like, like me.
2: Yeah. So can you tell me something about yourselves that you normally don't tell people?
16: Oh, gosh. Um, what do I not tell people about myself? Uh, that I'm an introvert, that I, I, I need time alone, quiet, undisturbed, no talking. Because otherwise I'm, I'm kind of an outgoing person, a selective introvert or extrovert. So people assume I'm like that all the time and I'm
0: not.
2: you describe a situation where you were just dying to be back and ho- alone by yourself? Uh, yesterday, <laughs> on the boat
16: with 2,000 other people and 12 of your, your family who are constantly looking for you and want to know where you are. And you're just trying to have 20 minutes of no one talking to you time. I need time to recharge. I need time to like be alone with a book, or just in my head, walking somewhere. Can't get that on a cruise. There's no nook to go into.
2: What about you?
4: One of my least favorite things to do is stand in a line and be in a crowded place. I wouldn't say I'm like don't like closed spaces. I just don't like having to be behind another person when I could, you know, walk a different way and get the same result but everything about this is like being in a line that's why i love this street because you do, you don't have to walk on the sidewalk and everyone keeps doing it anyway but i love that you can just walk down right down the middle of the road and pass anyone that's holding you up
1: I'm Erin from uh, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada.
3: I am Sasha. I'm also from Edmonton, Canada.
19: I like anything outside. This is it.
1: Well, I'm a big ball of joy, I would say. No, I definitely love traveling. I love uh, obviously trying new things. And coming to Alaska, uh, this is our second time doing this, so it's always a joy coming here. I think living in cities for the better part of our lives. I think I, you lose a sense of this uh, connection with nature. I just love the smell and uh, of being outdoors here. I love the uh, wilderness, hiking, uh, getting your hands dirty a bit, you know, and actually being around people that enjoy that as well. Recreation, it's it's just such a huge thing. It'll extend your life a lot longer too. I think City's tough. City life is very hard, so this is just a little opportunity for us to connect and be out here again, so. Simple joys, yeah, for sure, that's what I miss.
14: Uh, More the merrier.
17: Yes, we are (laughs) a big family of eight.
14: Yes,
20: family of Mm 8 (laughs) <laughs> All from different parts of Canada and Korea, South Korea.
18: Mm-hmm. Hojang and from Vancouver. Uh, Ujong
20: from Calgary, Alberta. Uh, Minjang from Regina, Saskatchewan.
8: Songyeol uh, from South Korea, Seoul.
10: Kyungseok, Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada.
12: Kyungseon, Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada.
10: Hyeongseok, uh, South
17: Korea. So
20: in South Korea. Oh, so for young people like us in 20s and 30s, the best place to go to travel is Hongdae. It's close to the uh, airport. There's a tra- There's a subway station that co- takes you directly to Hongdae. And there's a clubbing area. There's lots of food area. It's like 24-7. A yeah, a lot of shops. Like very hip. And mm-hmm. it's, it gets loud till 3 a.m. So if you're doing Airbnb at night and you're trying to sleep, you can... You, You probably can't sleep, so you might need earplugs.
2: Now for a little surprise for our visitors. Because not only does Becky love Korean food, she can speak the language because she lived in Korea for three years.
20: Right now I'm craving, because I've been on a cruise, we've been eating a lot of Western food. I'm craving a lot of kimchi stew, like very hot, like steamy, like with side dishes, like... Pickles, kimchi, just anything to do with spice would be amazing. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Kimchi uh, chicken. <cigarettes> yeah. My best sauce. Wow. She just said kimchi chicken is really good. Delicious. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that was really good.
3: Oh, years. Three years. <vironuccess>
17: Oh, three uh, years. Three years. Mm-hmm.
20: Wow. Uh, yeah, 수원지. Oh, Suwonji. Wow. Her, her, her Korean's really good.
3: Our time on Lincoln Street was fun. It was revealing. It was sometimes surprising.
2: And I'd even say therapeutic. It's easy to feel overwhelmed by the huge numbers of summer visitors to town.
3: But being in the street with everybody, poking at our sense of discomfort, it kind of uncovered an interesting complication in Sitka's tourism sector and what it presents, that everyone on these ships is an individual shaped by
2: their lives in places far away. These conversations and encounters, they're not going to solve some of the issues that we need to deal with, like... How we make tourism good for both the visitors and for the community. But in the meantime, I feel like we've learned some things.
11: Obviously, the big things in Buffalo are chicken wings and beef and whack, which is a kimber wick roll and with the
0: horseradish. Yeah, kimchi is. He has caraway seeds and salt on it. But we have a really diverse population in Buffalo. So there's a lot of different ethnic things to eat. But we have a lot of different foods, and we're also known for things like loganberry and um, maple syrup is big in our you know, upper northeastern area. And sponge candy is another big thing that my children always ask us to bring when it's like a honeycomb type candy covered with chocolate. Shepherd's pie. Oh, you could get it in most uh, most restaurants, uh, English restaurants, pubs. Uh, shepherd's pie is made out of mince. Uh, my favorite is lamb, but you can do it out of beef as well. And it's um, made with uh, a lot of gravy, a, um, a well-cooked mince meat, and then you layer it with mashed potatoes, and you bake it so it gets a crust at the top, and you whole gravy all over it and it's just yummy and you can make it slightly spicy as well
18: so we're in Sacramento um, so we don't have the beautiful vegetation you guys have here so you're definitely ahead of us in the greenery Um, but we would probably take you to Old Town Sacramento which is where it shows um, Sacramento was a a hub of the transcontinental railroad so that's what we would show you um, Old Town uh, and then maybe we would take you guys... Oh, we would take you to Auburn, which is where all our natural hikes are. So we would do that. And then what would we feed you guys? Good second. Um. I mean, I like the Thai food there. <laughs> <laughs> We're Egyptian background, so we would, we would make you guys some, um, some either baklava or we would make you some, some dolma, which are stuffed grape leaves or we would make you some kusheri, which is a a yummy dish of of, uh, lentils and rice and and garbanzo beans with amazing garlic red sauce. So come on over.
10: There's all these little places you could go for like almost no money. Um, The museums are all free in Los Angeles, so we could go to a bunch of museums, the Broad. Um, Definitely like a big fan of uh, Universal City Walk, especially during the Halloween time, even though I'm scared of all things horror, but it's super entertaining. Uh, We would love you to come to Mexico. Please come to Mexico, because it is the food, the people, the colors, the music, the ambience,
15: everything. People is going to be talking to you there, I'm sure. (laughs) So what do you
2: think about our Sitka Tells Tales Raven Radio Experiment in Reverse Tourism? Let us know. We're thinking of doing it again. We wanna thank the First National Bank, Alaska, for offering us the space to set up in front of the bank and to all the people who shared their stories and ideas for tours.
8: We would go for a ride on my side-by-side into the hills and I would take you today and show you some tadpoles in a pond and we'd catch some and we'd come back and we'd sit and we'd have a creamy in the yard, in the shade.
2: And we also wanna thank Marg Parsons for the cookies and Ellie Campbell for hyping people up at the salt store to talk with us.
3: Thanks also to the Lincoln Street Buskers for filling the street and this program with their musical exuberance, including Ted Howard and Rick Fleischman, Pointy and the Birds, John Ingman, and Brian O'Callaghan.
17: I love live music, and you guys are doing great, thank you. It just really livens up everything. Oh,
13: yeah.
2: This is an Art Change Inc. And Raven radio production a special edition of Sitka tells tales created by Ellen Frankenstein and Becky Myers with additional sound design and sweetening from Dave Emmer
3: we welcome new tellers theme ideas and collaborations if you have an idea for a theme feedback or want to tell a story please contact us at artchangeinc at gmail.com. Look for Sitka Tells Tales news on Facebook and Instagram and for Sitka Tells Tales wherever you tune into podcasts.
2: Earlier in the program, we mentioned a documentary film project called Cruise Boom that in part inspired us to do this experiment. If you want to learn more about it and see where screenings are happening, go to cruiseboomfilm.com.